Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force will be with you, always. Hey Clone Wars fans, welcome back to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, the original podcast dedicated to the Clone Wars animated series. This is episode number 88 for the episode The Box, and my name is Matt, and I will be co-hosting with you tonight, and with me, as always, the creator, Michael Cohen. What's up, my friend? Hey, episode IG-88. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Nice! Nice. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah. We should have done something special for 88. <laughs> but like that just occurred to me when you said 88. Uh, I was like, I knew that it was the 88th episode, but like you said 88. And I was like, oh, IG 88. <laughs> we should have dedicated. This This episode is dedicated <laughs> to, a, to a bounty hunter. The IG-88. walking wonder IG 88. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we got some, we got a pretty big show. We got a review coming up from a buddy of ours, Kyle, who, uh, contributes a lot to the show and just one quick news thing so let's um let's just get right into it you ready yeah welcome i have been expecting this is just the beginning this is where the fun begins join us or die our meeting was not a coincidence i'm glad you're here to tell us these things All right, Mike, we're going to get to Kyle's review in just a sec here. But we do have to mention, you know, yesterday was the Super Bowl. Yes. And, of course, we all watch it for the commercials. Uh, at least yeah. some of us, you know, when our team's not in it. But, uh, yeah, so the, tons of commercials, of course. And VW was back again this year, and they kicked it out of the park or hit it out of the park or touchdown, scored, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> yeah. this year with another Star Wars-themed commercial. And uh, you sent me the link here just earlier, and and uh, I had seen this a couple days ago. But there's also a or about six and a half minute uh, making of on StarWars.com, so you got to check that out. It was some good stuff on there. But what do you think, Mike? This was uh, you think this was as good as the uh, the Vader one? I uh, last year. You know what? I, I don't know. It's kind of it, it, it's uh, totally different. Huh? Um, I do. I like the dog, and and I do like the, that portion of the commercial. The uh, the cantina scene at the end, the sort of twist ending to it, yeah. is uh, is definitely uh, a clever way of doing it. Of still like you know having the 
the Star Wars element in there, bringing that back for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Vader never looks right in the cantina. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. Other things yeah. have done it before, and it's just it always bothers me. He never looks right in the cantina. Yeah, he just, um, he just doesn't belong there. But yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, it, there's some pretty funny parts if you if you sort of watch closely, you'll see that Pona Bob is still missing an arm. <laughs> so they never got that <laughs> yeah. reattached. Yeah. And uh, there's a plate of chicken wings on the bar and stuff. <laughs> but I, I don't know. It's for me, they could have done a little bit more to make it like to make it just a little bit more uh, lively and a little bit more like they were actually in the midst of watching the Super Bowl because that's supposed to be the 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 joke is that you know even in a galaxy far far away they're watching the super bowl, super bowl and, yeah, yeah. and these guys have their little commentary on the fact that it's not the darth vader kid and uh i i don't know just for me it could have been a little bit more obvious like like i don't know they that they were actually watching the super bowl not just that they had seen the commercial yeah <laughs> so, right. but uh but i don't know i don't know i thought it was pretty good it was, it was yeah Definitely, it was definitely fun. I, I I liked last year's better, but this one was good. This was wild at first because, you know, it was touted as a as a kind of a Star Wars commercial. But for the first, I don't know, thirty forty seconds, mm-hmm. you know, you're watching this dog thing, and you're like, man, what? I don't. Am I watching the wrong one? And then finally, at the end, like you said, it kicks in and it yeah. kind of plays itself out. But yeah, <laughs> watch that making up on StarWars.com. It's pretty good. It's it's amazing how much goes into making a one minute commercial you know it's like wow they recreated the whole set and and yeah. as best they could you know so it's it's pretty pretty amazing what they do for for commercials now so so yeah and it was actually um up for like best commercial i don't even know if it won but uh it's up for best super bowl uh commercial so uh, just like last year's yeah. so it's pretty cool you got you can see that anywhere now it's all over the place it's viral of course uh, but also, you know, we have, like I said earlier, we um, kind of bypassing most of the news and stuff to get to uh, Kyle. He's uh, Kyle Avery. He writes most of the recaps and a big contributor to the show. He did a review for us, Mike, on Star Wars: The Old Republic. So uh, it's basically been about a month and a half. So he's kind of breaking down uh, his first uh, foray into the game and, and his yeah. thoughts and, uh, and feelings of the game. Uh, so far, so let's uh, take a quick listen. It's actually, uh, I think it's around 20, 24 minutes. So, uh, great review though. So let's uh, let's check this out. Mike, Matt, and Frontline's listeners, this is Kyle here with a review of Star Wars The Old Republic, the new online role-playing game from Bioware and LucasArts. Uh, The game's been out about a month now, and I've been playing it a lot ever since I got it for Christmas. I'm really enjoying it so far, um, so I thought I would share some of my thoughts and some information in general on the game for those of you who are maybe unfamiliar with it, and uh, just let you guys know what I think about it, what I like about it. Uh, So let's jump right in. For centuries, the galaxy knew peace. For centuries, we waited. 
until the Empire returned. Attacking without mercy. Until we struck the Republic. Reclaiming our ancient home. Now we must defend the Republic. begin our true assault. And though many have died. And though the Republic bites on. We will prevail. We will destroy them. So, Star Wars The Old Republic takes place uh, 300 years after the original Knights of the Old Republic, for those of you who are familiar with that game. And all of this, this whole era, uh, takes place about 3,500 to 4,000 years before the Star Wars films and the rise of Darth Vader and all that good stuff. Um, so this is really an era where there aren't any, uh, you know, familiar characters or anything like that from the movie, so it's a different part of the timeline, a uh, different setting for them to kind of create this whole new story and this whole new, almost universe, even though it's still the Star Wars universe, there's still some familiar planets and races and things like that. But it's really, um, it's its own story and it's not tied down to the movies and so they really have a lot of room to explore it. And Bioware's been working on this game for a long time, uh, which really shows, I mean, the game uh, is huge and there's a lot of stuff to do in it and you can tell that they just put a lot of time and effort into it. So in the story uh, where this takes place, like I said, 300 years after the original Knights of the Old Republic, um, the Republic and the Sith have been at war again. Uh, the Sith Empire was thought extinct for thousands of years previously and they've come back, they've attacked the Republic and uh, where the game picks up, it's sort of after the first war between the Republic and the Sith and there's kind of this fragile peace treaty but as you jump in on either side, um, the Republic or the Sith's uh, side of the conflict, you start to realize that things are slowly beginning to fall apart and you get to take place in a lot of sort of skirmishes and undercover missions and all that kind of stuff. So it's really a good time period that I think lends itself to this type of game where you can have a lot of players running around all doing their own thing because... Uh, this is an era where there are a lot of Jedi, there are a lot of Sith, and even though it's not quite a full-scale galactic war yet, so not every planet you go to, there's a whole huge battle going on, but at the same time, there's still a lot of stuff to do for Jedi and troopers and smugglers and bounty hunters and Sith, and, you know, there's a lot to do for all those roles to fit into this world, and, um, you know, just a lot of room to explore, a lot of exciting stuff happening. So it's really fun, and, uh, you know, as I said, this is an online role-playing game, an MMORPG, as they call it, um, sort of like World of Warcraft or Star Wars Galaxies or, uh, 
you know, DC Universe, I know, is one that Mike talks about all the time. But one thing that really separates The Old Republic from other games like that is that Bioware, who is known for their single-player role-playing games like Mass Effect and uh, Knights of the Old Republic and Dragon Age Origins, games that really have uh, deep, immersive, single-player stories, um, they've brought more of a story element to this MMORPG game than, uh, than a lot of other games have before. So whereas in, you know, a game like World of Warcraft, you might just be running around trying to group up with other players and, um, you know, kill monsters and get experience and get your character to the next level. In Star Wars The Old Republic, you can still do all of that, but you really have a strong uh, character-driven story behind that, which is my favorite part about it. Because you get to explore this world and as a Jedi or a Sith or a bounty hunter or whatever, you really feel important. Um, you feel like your choices are having an impact. You feel like you get to go and do all this really cool stuff. and It's almost like getting into that role from the movies. Like, if you've ever wanted to be a Jedi or be Boba Fett or Han Solo, like, this is probably the closest you're ever going to get. It's a huge game, ton of stuff to do, and the stories are all, you know, really immersive with uh, fully voiced dialogue. Like, every character you talk to, there'll be a cutscene, and you actually hear your character talking, you hear them talking back. Um, you have companion characters with their own kind of separate side stories that you get to explore once you get to know them a little bit. And, uh, you know, that makes them really interesting and kind of adds even more to your journey. And, of course, you're going to have you know, Jedi Masters or Trooper Captains or whatever that you're interacting with. And the really cool thing is that all these stories are completely different for each of the classes. There are eight different classes in the game. Um, you can play on the Republic or the Imperial side, and on the Republic side you can be a Jedi Knight, a Jedi Consular, a Trooper, or a Smuggler. And on the Imperial side you can be a Sith Warrior, a Sith Inquisitor, a Bounty Hunter, or an Imperial Agent. And uh, ever since I got the game for Christmas, I've just been playing as a Jedi Knight. But before the game came out, I was fortunate enough to be one of the people who uh, was chosen to beta test the game. And so while I was in testing, I tried out a few of the other different classes. And it's really cool because, um, they, like I said, they all have completely different stories, completely different characters that you're going to interact with, and uh, different you know objectives and motives and things that you're going for. And so if you play two different characters, it's not going to feel like you're doing the exact same thing just with a different set of skills or wearing different armor or something like that. You're, you know, still exploring this same huge Star Wars universe, but you're doing completely different things in it and getting to see different sides of it and meet different characters and things. So it's really cool. Um, like I said, I'm, I've only been focused on my Jedi character since I actually got the full version of the game. But once I'm finished with my Jedi Knight story, I plan on playing a Sith Inquisitor and a Bounty Hunter and possibly more after that. But these stories are so long and so huge that even playing one character is going to take you a really long time. The maximum level you can get your character to is level 50. My Jedi Knight is level 36 right now, I think. Um, so, you know, I've still got a ways to go before I reach the end of my story and get to my highest level and get all my highest level skills and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's a game that you really can get into and enjoy the stories and the characters and um, just play for a long time and really just kind of live out 
these Star Wars characters that you really get to inhabit the role of. Uh, now let me talk about the combat in the game because you do get to fight a lot of enemies. Um, as a Jedi, you know, I'm always fighting Imperial Guards and Sith assassins and things like that, as well as, of course, you know, some standard Star Wars enemies like Tusken Raiders on Tatooine or Rat Ghouls on Terrace. If you played the original Knights of the Old Republic, you'll remember those. Um, there are also, you know, some monsters and things that you'll find. And uh, it's really cool because, like I said, in trying out the different classes, there really is a wide variety of play styles. Like the Jedi Knight and the Sith Warrior, they're focused on lightsaber combat. So, um, as my Jedi, you know, I'm always running around chopping stuff up, um, you know, getting in close to the fight and hitting everybody around me with my lightsaber and kind of just feeling like an awesome Jedi. Whereas a Sith Inquisitor, for example, is more of a force-based class, so you still get a lightsaber, but you don't use it as much because before enemies get close enough for you to use your lightsaber, you want to be keeping them back with your force powers and shooting them with force lightning and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, of course, you got your troopers and bounty hunters who are going to have big guns and gadgets and flamethrowers and grenades and all that cool stuff. And, you know, using all of that is fairly easy. Um, the combat system isn't too hard to figure out. It feels somewhat similar to other role-playing games, so if you're familiar with other games of this type, uh, it should be fairly easy for you to get into. I can't complain about it. It's, I mean, like I said, it's fairly standard sometimes. You just click on an enemy, click on your power, and away you go. So there's nothing too intuitive or new there, but... Um, still really enjoyable, and especially once you learn some of your cooler moves and stuff like that. You know, it's really cool to see your Jedi, like, throw their lightsaber and then jump into a fight and then do a force push that knocks everyone around them away and then do a, you know, three-slash combo on the biggest enemy. And it's just a lot of fun getting to be in that role and do all that kind of cool stuff. Now, one other thing I wanted to mention as far as combat is I like that the game really makes you feel powerful right from the beginning. Um, you know, some other games, especially role-playing games, where you acquire gear and skills and level up and add points and all that kind of stuff, sometimes you start off and your character's not all that powerful. And, of course, you know that once you get... once you progress higher, you're going to get more skills and cooler armor and stuff like that. But sometimes those games can feel a little bit slow at the beginning because you're not really that awesome character yet. But in the Old Republic, uh, they do a pretty good job of starting you off right in the action. Like, for example, when I started with my Jedi character, you show up as a Jedi Padawan on the planet of Tython. Um, and you're kind of an older Padawan, like you've done some training before and now they're sending you to Tython to finish your training. And as soon as you get there, there's a Jedi who's kind of like, hey, welcome to Tython. Uh, some other Padawans are getting attacked by monsters, and we hear you're really strong in the forest for someone so young, so can you go save them? And, uh, you know, you go rush off. You don't even have your lightsaber yet. You've got a training saber, but you've still got a couple pretty cool moves to start off with, and you go and you get to save people and kill monsters, and then you kind of find out that this is part of some larger plot, and there's maybe uh, more dark forces involved, and... I mean, you really just jump right into the story, jump right into the action, and the thing just takes a hold of you and keeps going the whole way. And, I mean, it never really lets up. It's 
for as long as I've been playing, I've never had a point where I was bored or where I felt like I didn't know what was going on or, uh, you know, where it maybe got too hard or too complicated or anything like that. I mean, it's pretty easy to follow. It's fun and immersive and just like I said before, you can really just get into it uh, right from the start and just have a lot of fun with it. Something else I wanted to mention um, as far as story and characters and things like that, I mentioned the voiceover dialogue, and that is uh, something I think that adds a lot to the story element of the game that really makes these characters more interesting and makes them feel like real people that you're interacting with. For there to be so many characters in this huge universe and for there to be so many of them that you can actually interact with and talk to and have full conversations, it really makes it feel like a living, breathing Star Wars universe. In addition to that, sound-wise, I mean, the sound effects are great, the music is great. I know they did, you know, several hours of new music for this game. There's, like, this huge score, and you hear different pieces of music depending on where you are and in different battles and on different planets. And all of it sounds different, all of it sounds new, but at the same time, a lot of it really has that iconic Star Wars feel to it. They're some new pieces of music that still reuse some old John Williams themes and it'll feel really t really familiar to longtime Star Wars fans. Um, the visuals in the game are great. Uh, they went for kind of a different approach with the graphics. It's not like, you know, super realistic. They call it uh, stylized realism, I think. And it's basically not quite the style of Clone Wars where everything is really stylized and you've got kind of sharp edges and angled features and things like that. But, um, you know, it's, it's definitely more of an artistic style. Like I said, things don't look exactly like they do in real life. They kind of have a softer look to them. And they've done that so that more people can play the game and that you don't have to have a super high-end computer that can handle all kinds of crazy graphics to be able to enjoy it. I mean, I've been playing it on my dad's laptop. I don't even know exactly what all the specs and stuff are on it, but it still runs pretty well. And there are some great-looking uh, locations and environments in the game that really make it seem like these huge worlds come to life. I mean, you might come out of a cave and see this huge, sprawling forest in front of you, or, um, you know, even when you're using a taxi to travel between different locations on Coruscant and just seeing all the buildings and all the traffic and all that kind of stuff. It really is uh, full of stuff going on and they really paid a lot of attention to detail and making these environments really fleshed out. So that's another thing I really like about it. Now I've talked about kind of the combat gameplay and the single player story. Obviously with this being a massively multiplayer online game, there's a huge multiplayer element to it as well. Now this is something that I'm not as familiar with because I've never really been a player of these kind of games before until this one. But I've really enjoyed so far all the experiences I've had interacting with other players in the game. There are uh, certain missions that you might come across on different planets that pretty much require you to do it in a group, um, or it would be really hard for you to do it by yourself. I mean, they make it harder so that you kind of need a full group to complete it. And this is something that before this game came out I wasn't really looking forward to because I'm more into the story and the characters and things like that and uh, don't necessarily need to have other players adventuring with me to enjoy my single player story. But it kind of was a pleasant surprise, I guess. 
that I've really enjoyed the multiplayer element as much as I have. Um, like I said, the group missions are really fun. And then you also get kind of these bigger group missions called flashpoints, which aren't just little missions that you might do real quick with some people on, you know, one of the planets that you're on for your story quest. These are ones that you're going to, once you get to a certain level, you'll receive these missions on your faction's uh, big space station. And then you'll group up with those players and you'll take a shuttle from there. And the flashpoints are uh, longer group missions with harder enemies and better rewards that you'll get in terms of credits and experience and new weapons and armor. And a lot of them also have kind of their own really cool stories to them too. Um, I actually just completed one not too long ago, which had uh, some pretty cool ties to the original Knights of the Old Republic. I won't spoil that for any of you uh, planning to play the game or wondering what happens, but that was really cool. And then there's also uh, player versus player combat, PvP as they call it. I haven't even tried that yet because I've been so engaged in the story element, but you can join these... Uh, PvP war zones, as they call them, which is uh, while you're running around doing your story or whatever, uh, you can just jump in a queue and you'll be transported to um, like a battle zone where people are fighting over objectives and stuff like that. And like I said, I haven't tried it out yet, but I've heard that it's really fun and I plan to play it eventually. So um, if you're one of those people that is more into online gaming and likes uh, battling other players and grouping up with other players and things like that. I'm sure you won't be disappointed with this game. Uh, there are a couple other cool little things in there, like you get to get your own spaceship and travel around the galaxy, and you can actually do space combat. And that's kind of a fun little distraction. Um, I've heard some people don't like it as much, or they want it. Some people were hoping for a more fleshed out, kind of full space combat game, but this really is sort of a smaller side game, um, sort of something that you can do for fun in between missions to get some more credits and things like that. It's sort of an on-rail shooter like Star Fox or something like that, where your ship is kind of going along a set path the whole time, and you can just, you know, move up and down and do barrel rolls and stuff to avoid incoming fire, and you can shoot down enemies and destroy targets on space stations and uh, enemy capital ships and things like that. And then you can uh, visit vendors where they'll let you upgrade your weapons and your armor and your missile capacity and all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty fun too. Um, not my favorite part of the game, but it's enjoyable. Really the only complaints I have with the game are, I mean, there are a few glitches and bugs that I've come across, but that's kind of to be expected with a game this huge. I mean, there's no way they could really find everything. Um, so, of course, they're going to keep updating it and keep fixing stuff as they find it and do as much as they can with that. And then, of course, there's the issue of price. Um, I know that's a barrier for some people because in addition to the $60 cost of the game, you then have to pay $15 a month to continue playing it. Um, which, of course, is something that I'm not necessarily thrilled about, but after playing the beta test for a couple months and then uh, playing the game as much as I have since I got it, I really feel like it's worth it. Even though I would like to not have to pay that, um, you know, I'm willing to because I'm just enjoying the game so much, and I can understand that, of course, they need to keep up their servers and keep doing maintenance on the game and keep working on bugs and adding updates and stuff like that. So I think it's worth it. Um, it really is going to depend on the individual. 
I know for some people that still is maybe too much or they just aren't used to paying that much for a video game, but that kind of is the norm for games like World of Warcraft. Um, I know a lot of the games have gone free to play recently. I don't think this one will anytime real soon because it just came out and apparently they're doing really well in terms of sales and uh, subscribers and things like that. So if you're really opposed to paying $15 a month for a game, then maybe this isn't for you. But if you've kind of been on the fence about it and uh, you're maybe willing to shell out the cash if the game is really worth it, but you don't know if it's going to be that good or not, I would highly recommend it. And like I said, the music and visuals are great. The combat is a lot of fun. It's a huge game with huge worlds and tons of stuff to do. Uh, the multiplayer stuff is fun, grouping up with other players and taking down big enemies and challenging missions and stuff. Uh, that's really re rewarding. And then, of course, there are these huge epic stories that let you fill in the roles of your own Star Wars character and have your own adventure, and it's engaging and it's fun, and like I said, there's a ton of stuff to do, and it really gets you into it and makes you feel like a Jedi or a Sith or a trooper or a bounty hunter or whatever. So if you've been waiting for a Star Wars game that lets you do a ton of stuff and is really fun and really engaging and uh, that you can get into and play for a long time and really just build up your own character and your own place in the Star Wars universe, this is the one for you. I would highly recommend it. Um, like I said, it's not perfect. There are a few bugs, glitches, things like that, but of course those are going to keep being worked out and there's no, there really hasn't been anything yet that I've encountered that kept me from enjoying the game. It's, you know, maybe a little hiccup here or there, but overall still a great game. Um, if I had to give it a score, I would probably give it a 9 out of 10. So that's my review of Star Wars The Old Republic. Um, now, depending on how this goes, uh, Mike wanted me to possibly have... A somewhat regular segment where I talk about the game and sort of things that they're updating and uh, just kind of news and what's going on and as, as well as maybe new experiences that I have in the game and I can keep you guys updated with my thoughts and opinions on new stuff that I find and the adventures I'm having so if that's something you'd want to see happen uh, maybe let us know on the Facebook page or you know you can contact me with a message through Facebook and let me know what you think so that's it for now. That's my review of Star Wars The Old Republic. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and if you decide to get the game, I hope you enjoy it as much as I have. May the Force be with you. All right, Mike, so that was it, man. Uh, Kyle had a... That's actually a great review by Kyle. He's obviously loving the game, and uh, as of, you know, a day or two ago... Um, or maybe even today, you know, this this thing has really exceeded, I think, expectations. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know there was a lot placed on this game. I mean, this thing has been in development for a long time, a couple of delays, and uh, you know, over 1.7 million subscribers uh, so far. Um, you know, they were up to two million, but I think, you know, with the 30-day thing and all that, yeah. uh, they're still at 1.7 million. So it's 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 pretty crazy and. And uh, since it's released in December, uh, it's been online for 99.5% of the time. And, and I'm guessing that's a good thing as far as MMOs. I, I have to say, I haven't played any MMOs, so 
um, I, I guess that's good. It means it's the game's like always live, always going. There's no glitches yeah. or, yeah. or or downtime. Um, some other figures though. I mean, 239 million in-game hours have accrued by users. 20,000 years of in-game time have passed already in the game. So uh, 20 billion non-player characters have been killed. So this thing is uh, Bioware. The co-founder said um, they're honored and they're humbled by the the strong support. So. Uh, definitely, uh, I'm kind of happy to see a Star Wars game come out, even though it's not like an Xbox or whatever. Yeah. Come out and and, and kind of do what it, what we think Star Wars can do. So I know you haven't got a chance to even try this yet, Mike. Uh, are you thinking about even just doing the 30 day? Of course, you have to buy the game though. That's the. Well, no. The problem is that I I have a a Mac, so. Oh, that's uh, right. That's right. Awesome for podcasting. Awesome for video editing. Awesome for graphic design, but. Not very good when it comes to gaming. That's Not to right. say that my Mac couldn't handle the game. No, probably no. handle it better than most people's PCs would. But right. Bioware doesn't bother to develop their games for Macs. So I heard um, there might be something coming. No, there. Sorry, I thought they might have something coming for Mac. No, or they they, they had comments that that there could be like that that they're that they're not ignoring it. They just haven't gotten there yet, and it's like well. I don't care, <laughs> you know, like, like you can, you can tell me like, oh, well, we've thought about it, but I really don't care if you've thought about it, I care if you've done it, right, right, right. like, I care if the game's planning to be developed for, for the Mac, but, yeah, because um, I'm not going to run out and go buy a, a PC just to play Star Wars, and, no, I mean, no. like, as much as I enjoy Star Wars, that's not going to be... That's not going to be my main motivation to go out and spend $1,000 on a computer, right? No. Because it's not like you can just go buy a $200, $300 computer and, uh, and, and run that out of the box. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you need to have a nice graphics card and <clears throat> the capabilities and a nice processor and everything. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just not, a, it's not, not, not doing it for me if they're not going <laughs> to... Yeah. It's gotta have a Mac. You would think yeah. that. I mean, everything seems like it comes out now. It's, it's either Mac, you know Mac and PC or whatever. But I don't know. I, is World of Warcraft like that? PC only? Uh, you know, what? You know honestly, I don't. You're know. not sure. Okay, yeah. I don't know, but but uh, again, it sounds like Kyle's having a great time with this. And uh, those of you that are playing, I'm sure you um, feel the same. It seems like it's going really well. So that's good. You know, that's thumbs up for maybe more Star Wars games. Um, Republic or uh, Battlefront Three, <coughs> uh, but anyway, you never know. Uh, hopefully, that's a good sign for for Star Wars gaming. So, with that though, we got to get into our recap. You ready to get into it, Mike? Let's do it. All right. A disturbance in the Force. There is. Is it possible to learn this power? They invite me, believing to be the chosen one. Times. I sense there's something here. The army has assembled Count Dooku. The Mon Calamari system must not fall into Separatist hands. All troops, battle stations! This isn't gonna be easy. We'll disintegrate for sure! Suck it up, shiny. I will attack the Naboo! <laughs> I will return, mother. I want you. I don't work for fully. 
long Habsid Empire has been built upon the backs of slaves. Anakin has struggled to put his past behind him. I'll keep an eye on him. Bow down, Jedi Fifth. Welcome to Death Watch. All right, let's kick off the box here, Mike. It is, it is on the beautiful planet of Sereno that a barbaric contest will determine the fate of Obi-Wan Kenobi and possibly the Republic itself. The battered yacht piloted by Hardeen and Bane touches down on the palatial estate of Count Dooku. The Separatist leader welcomes Moralo Ival to the next stage of the conspiracy and invites Bane and Hardeen to participate promising a worthy reward for success. And uh, here's Mike, we're at Sereno, you know, the home planet of, of Dooku, you know. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was, after I finished this episode, but I'll say it now, is obviously, again, with these four-part arcs, they, um, this was kind of one of those filler episodes, but it was very good, though. You know what I mean? It, yeah. did, did it do anything to, to get to that plot? Not really, you know, it was just like, hey, let's he could have just said, hey, I want Cad Bane and you and you, and let's do this. But it was an interesting way to get to the five bounty hunters that he, you know, that he wanted. So, again, like I said, not necessarily uh, an episode that was critical to the story. Yeah. But it was good all the same, though. I, I know you had a good time with this, right? I think, but you know what? I, I, I'm going to disagree that it's not critical to the story because it isn't until this episode... We're gonna see it later that that the relationship between uh, Reiko, uh, yeah, Obi Wan is Reiko Hardeen and uh, Cad Bane, yeah. and Cad Bane have Good point. sort yeah. of sort of a resolution to the to the uh, the last two episodes of them sort of fighting it, like duking it out and and right. uh, being at odds with one another, um, <clears throat> and it definitely <clears throat> it definitely changes the dynamic with Moralo Evolve. <laughs> um, oh yeah, right, right. Who like going into this is definitely uh, a tier above them, or at least he considers himself to be. And then mm -hmm. uh, we'll see how that turns out by the end of this episode, right? Right. Um, so I don't know. I I thoroughly enjoyed this episode as um, just great development for for both characters for both. Uh, Obi Wan and uh, and Cad Bane because yeah, yeah. Obi Wan's stuck in this ridiculous scenario of having to be, uh, uh, you know, this uh, somewhat evil bounty hunter, but still not breaking his own personal code, right? Like he's not right. going to, uh, you know, take part in in the the death of someone, not actively at least. I mean, he may have to hold back and not necessarily do uh, everything that he could in other circumstances. Because mm -hmm. um, obviously the fate of the Republic and uh, the Chancellor are, are sort of resting on this mission. But but he does... It's, it's interesting to see him sort of struggle with doing what he can, right? And right. then we also we see the, the, the more honorable side of Cad Bane. As a, as a bounty hunter, so I, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and and to have that, like, we have to have the character of Moralo Evol, um, which 
I mean, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this. I don't think I mentioned this in the last two episodes. Um, but I've been thinking about it. His name, Moralo Evil, it's really clear what that means. He's morally evil. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the point. And it wasn't really until this episode that I, like, you know, obviously he's a bounty hunter. So I was just like, of course, the guy's evil. That's Moralo Evil. I, I get the name. Like, I get it. But then in this episode, it was like, no. No, he, like, there's a point to that. That you know, there are <clears throat> there are bounty hunters, and then there are evil characters, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Boba Fett, Jango Fett, uh, Embo, uh, Cad Bane. They're not necessarily evil. Cad Bane is definitely uh, duplicitous and and a little bit cunning, and uh, he's not to be trusted necessarily, um, but. I don't know that evil is necessarily one of one of the things mm-hmm. that this character is, and this is one of the episodes that sort of fleshes that out and goes, maybe there's a little bit more to this guy than we uh, than we've known previously, yep. right? Right, uh, and and very interesting to get that perspective on the character. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because the, you're right, though. I had that written down later on in the episode, um, and I'll point it out later where. Where you like exactly like you said, there's that Bane and and Obi Wan as as Hardeen that they have like this almost truce, like you know, yeah. to the bad as the bad recognize each other and respect each other. So that is a good point about this episode about what that did for them, and, and maybe we'll see how that plays out in the final episode. So, um, but yeah, good, great point though, great point. Um, let's get to the uh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, with Hardeen and Bane's participation, <clears throat> Count Dooku has a dozen bounty hunters for his challenge to determine which ones are the best. That number is immediately reduced by one when Cad Bane kills Bulduga, an Athorian gunslinger, for his hat. Such a great moment. He just oh, yeah. he, he, he just pulls the sort of the Indiana Jones just shoot from the hip like like quick draw before you can even tell what's going on. And uh, <clears throat> all over the hat that Bulduga is wearing, which is pretty much the identical hat, if if not like the identical hat that Bane is uh, oh, normally yeah. seen wearing, and not the one that he picked out mm-hmm. in the last episode. So right, right. Well, I have to uh, mention too. I, I forgot something uh, in between these two sections here. Uh, there was a scene, <clears throat> and I <clears throat> forgot to put that in there. But I'll mention. We'll mention it right now since it's right in between these two. Uh, there was a scene just before that, and we'll talk about this. Yoda and Anakin. Anakin comes into Yoda much like he does uh, in Episode Three, mm-hmm. and he comes and talks to Yoda, kind of in the meditation chamber there. And uh, he basically, Yoda is is telling Anakin, uh, you know, you're unpredictable and you're dangerous, you know, in, to your friends and your enemies. Yeah. Uh, an interesting little like father son style of chat with Anakin, basically. Yeah. And he's also Yoda's also saying, you know what? They kind of admit that, you know what? I think we kind of screwed up not telling you. Um, you know, think about it now. It probably didn't it didn't help any. Uh, so, and, and then, like I said, it has that call back to the Empire. Where I think it's, um, yeah, Yoda he says, if you leave, help them. You could. And then he kind of goes on. So kind of the same words he said to uh, Luke yeah. in Empire. But uh, what did you think of that uh, that scene there with um, uh, Anakin? 
I liked I, I the the quote was a little bit on the nose, and you're kind of yeah. waiting for him to finish it. So that kind of that I was too, yeah, bit. yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. The 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 actual moment between uh, between Yoda and Anakin, I really liked because it was this moment, like you say, sort of a father son thing, mm-hmm. not as much uh, confrontational as. Right. As it would have been had it been Mace, which is, I think, what we're used to seeing in the prequels, <clears throat> is sort of Mace going like, look, yeah, we don't trust you, you're out of control, you have way too much power, we don't know what to do about you, why don't you just sit over there, do as you're told, sort of thing. Whereas Yoda has this much more, um, this much more uh, pastoral, I think, uh, approach to it, where which is... Look, I'm I'm going to be honest with you, Anakin, because you you deserve that as a Jedi. You know, mm-hmm. you're a hero and and uh, and a good person. Uh, and, but there's a lot of darkness and there's a lot of issues going on with you, and this and it results in you being reckless and out there. You know, we can't we can't predict how you're gonna how you're gonna deal with a situation mm-hmm. and this scenario was really delicate and and uh you know obi-wan uh volunteered for this mission and uh you know he he was the one to take it to carry it out uh best suited to carry it out and uh and and you know they needed him they needed anakin where he was um obviously like right from the get-go right from the first episode of this arc yoda was expressing his misgivings about this whole plan Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was Mace and Obi Wan that were like, no, this is this is how we do it. Like this this is what we have to do. Um, but I think from Yoda's perspective, it was like we're kind of using the dark side's methods mm-hmm. in order to figure out what they're doing. It's a little bit too much down that path for him to be comfortable. I think, and uh, and that you know, in in my opinion. In my justification, that's the only reason why he would probably keep Anakin away from it and not right. tell him. Mm-hmm. That was probably the one thing that had Yoda going. You know, we definitely can't have Anakin associated with this or involved. He can't know because we're way too close to uh, to doing something that that we really shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And and that's like. It sort of shows that that the Jedi, Anakin is the the personification of this path that the Jedi are taking, and uh, and obviously it ultimately leads to their to their downfall, right? Like that's that's what this scene is about. Is is Anakin? Anakin is everything that the uh, that the Jedi Order should not be <laughs> at this point in time. Yeah. And that's that's what Yoda is saying. He's not necessarily talking just about Anakin, mm-hmm. much like in Episode Two when he makes the comment to Obi Wan, because uh, uh, you know that that the um, arrogance and the impulsiveness is a is a trait more and more common amongst Jedi, even some of the older, more experienced ones. And it's like you know it, it's. It starts with someone like Anakin and with some of these younger Jedi, and then it just kind of spreads out from there. It's kind of this infection because Anakin does it, and then Obi-Wan sees that it works, and he goes, okay, 
you know, sometimes we got to bend the rules a little bit. And obviously, there's a little bit of Qui-Gon in there as well. Oh, yeah. Wasn't yeah. wasn't afraid to bend, bend the rules to, to get the job done. Right. And, uh, and, you know, obviously, Anakin has passed it on to Ahsoka. Um, and, you know, when, when Obi-Wan does it, it then gives all these other Jedi the the leeway to to go that way as well right so you just sort of start to see it um bleed out from characters like anakin and quinlan Voss and uh and these more these more arrogant brash young jedi, jedi yeah. that, that are are coming of age in the middle of a war um and and i think that that's what yoda's worried about not mm. not as much. I think that's why Anakin slips under the radar, right? Like it, it really um the fact that he's the chosen one maybe means that they should have paid a little bit more attention because his capacity for for falling is that much. I mean it's it kinda goes along with what Dooku says, twice the pride, double the fall. Right? Double fall yeah. Um but it's also, you know, twice the power mm-hmm. uh twice the danger, right? So yeah. um Anakin is is sort of you know he should be a red flag for these guys and they should have known better but as they say the dark side clouds everything and there's a lot of dark side clouding around Anakin intentionally because I think that the the, the uh, Chancellor that Sidious has this just general grayness around everything that's sort of got the Jedi uh, blinded a blinded. little bit mm-hmm. but he has a very specific darkness focused around Anakin and I think that that Sidious is working to make his fate unclear Mm -hmm. to the rest of them Hmm. and and actively blocking them from being able to see what's going on with that with Anakin when it comes to the force I mean obviously they see they see the outright things like you know him being placed on the council and stuff but right yeah but yeah so I mean like this it's it's a very short scene but as was just evidenced by all of those tangents I went on. There was a lot being said there. Oh yeah, and it was a lot yeah. more than just what was going on what in was that scene. On. Yeah, uh, what was pertinent to this plot line. But but it was a fantastic scene that really didn't need the quote. I feel like they work <laughs> a quote into every episode, <laughs> and they don't uh, yeah. and they don't need to because yeah. there's enough tribute in each episode to to the classics that doesn't need to be you know we don't need we have to, have to do it every episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> and particularly with something that's like that's really context sensitive like that yeah that, and that is such a quote like i felt like in the last episode when they crashed the ship that it would have been really cool if obi-wan as reiko hardine would have said another happy another. landing right <laughs> like because yeah. that's 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 a phrase that that lends itself to being having been said multiple times, you know, multiple times. Yeah. Or even if one of the others would have said it, and then we could have gone like, oh, like when Obi Wan says that in Episode Three, he's not necessarily saying that, but he's quoting what he heard Cad Bane say or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. I right. think that that would have been a really cool turn on on a quote or a reference. But with this one, it was a little, like I said, it's a little bit on the nose. So. Right, right. Well, I like what you said about, um, you know, Yoda and Mace. It would have been a totally different conversation because Mace would have yeah. sent it there and said, hey, this is the way it is. Shut up. Quit whining. 
and get back to whatever you're doing. And and here's Yoda kind of going, man, you know, we kind of screwed up on this one, you know, and he's trying to make it right. Like, you know, we should have told you, but this is how it's going. So, and then of course the scene with Cad Bane, gotta love that. I mean, this is the, this is a classic Western thing. You know, the, the Cowboys, you know, it's all about the hat. Yeah. You know, so uh, the hat is very important. So yeah. uh, I thought that was a, a great scene. And Bane wins the standoff. And, and Bane didn't even shoot first. The other guy was actually trying to shoot first. But Bane is that, is that quick, man. He's, yeah. uh, he's the Johnny Ringo of the Star Wars universe, I guess. So uh, that was good stuff, though. We'll continue here. Uh, the final candidates are stripped of weapons. And Bane, Hardeen, Karaswan, Sixtat. Daron, Embo, <laughs> Jacoli, Anka, Twazi, Seinrich, and Mantu enter the arena developed by Morala Ival called The Box. Some of you will not make it out alive. For those who do, we are looking for the five most skilled among you. Any additional survivors will be eliminated to preserve the integrity of the job that awaits you. Place your weapons here. For those we choose, you will, of course, be paid most handsomely. But more than that, you will be a part of an operation remembered as a turning point in the Clone Wars. And when we succeed, we will bring the Republic to its pitiful knees. Listen up. The box was designed by me, Moralo Eva, to simulate certain situations that might happen on the job. Go now. Enter the box, if you have the courage. And I like this mic because there's a couple, a couple uh, phrases by Dooku that kind of resonated. And he says, mm-hmm. well... First, I like how he introduced the bounty hunters. I said that that last week. It was kind of neat how they each have their own. Hey, you're the best this, and you killed everybody, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, um, you know, here's here's Dooku. He's saying, you know what? You guys, the five best, are going to have money and fame, and it's going to be a turning point in the war. So these guys are looking at it like this is going to be a huge payday, but this is also going to be like, my name is going to be out there as one of the, the baddest dudes in the mm-hmm. galaxy. I mean, this is fame to them. You know, this is the bounty hunter fame. This is, you know, this is dog the bounty hunter here in, in, uh, in the States. You know, this, this is going to make them the top echelon. So maybe, you know, if, if for some reason they didn't get enough money, these are the guy who's the people that are involved in this, the bounty hunters that are involved in this, they're going to be the top guys in the galaxy. Because they're going to be the ones that go, hey, we got to go hire this guy because Embo or Cad Bane because, you know, they took out the Republic. They took out the Chancellor. So interesting how, how, how Count Dooku entices these bounty hunters to participate in something that they could, you know, most of them are not going to make it out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I thought that was kind of yeah. clever on Dooku to, to put it over like that. So um, go ahead, though. What's next? Uh, so, inside the tiled interior of the first chamber, floor platforms elevate the hunters to precipitous heights as clouds of toxic dioxys hiss into the chamber from below. Reiko determines the way out is to dive through the deadly clouds into a tunnel system underneath the chamber. 
So this is challenge number one yeah. uh, of the four challenges. And uh, Dioxus, which we've seen before in episode one, I believe, uh, the mm-hmm. very beginning. Uh, but yeah, I like this. The only rule is there are no rules. And, uh, and it's just, hey, Dioxus and, and these platforms that are going to go to the ceiling and crush you yeah. if you don't figure it out. So uh, Hardeen or Obi-Wan as Hardeen quickly figures out... Uh, of course, he's so you know he's he's a smart one, so he's going to lead these guys on the uh, on the way out. The tunnel opens into a darkened room, where electrified laser blades extend from panels out of the wall. Anka and Kira Swan are skewered. Reiko spots a pattern in the blades panels movements and begins leaping from platform to platform, making his way to an exit shaft in the ceiling. The other hunters follow. Count Dooku is most intrigued with Reiko Hardin's resourcefulness. And obviously, Mike, this is the second challenge. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, obviously, uh, it's kind of right in your face. This is to simulate the lightsabers and uh, multiple Jedi combat. Uh, I mean, could it be anything else with the way mm-hmm. they were doing this? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that that's part of it. And then there's, it's just... Uh, it's just difficult, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I mean, uh, Anka tries to just get up against the wall and hide there, and ends up getting uh, just completely uh, <laughs> skewered by by yeah. one of them just coming out of the wall that wasn't there a second ago, you know. Yeah. So I think that that it's just a, it was another uh, tricky, <laughs> dangerous. Um, way to deal with these with these resourceful bounty hunters you got to be yeah you'll be quick on your feet uh, and uh you can't stay in one spot for any length of time or you're gonna end up shish kebab (laughs) yeah well the thing the thing is too is like this particular plan that i think is obviously it's gonna they're going after the chancellor and Mm -hmm. where there's where there the chancellor is there's lots of jedi most likely yeah. So, so this is like I said. It seemed like it was kind of a test on you know how can you face off against the Jedi without any weapons? Can you hold your own for a little while without any weapons? So yeah. I thought that was a, a cool little thing. And there was one other thing they did in here that I hadn't seen before, and it's it goes really fast. And I don't even remember the name of the bounty hunter, but it's the one that looks like an octopus. Um, he's kind of swinging around, and they do they do the uh, the slow motion action. That mm-hmm. we've seen kind of uh, in the trailers for the Old Republic, and we've seen it in the the Force Unleashed uh, trailers that they put out. That slow motion action, and I don't know. It's just for me, I like it. I don't know why. I just I kind of like that kind of thing, and and maybe yeah. that's something we'll see happen in the Clone Wars. I don't know if they they want to do any kind of stylized stuff like that, but I, I don't know. Some people might just hate that kind of thing, but I don't know. I thought it looked cool. You know, it's just something about that. Watching action and then it, and then it after, just for a few seconds, it's kind of real slow, and then boom, it hits into right into regular action. I just love that stuff. I don't know if anybody else does, but uh, hopefully, maybe we'll see that in in some kind of lightsaber combat in, in the future. So I just wanted to point that out if anybody else noticed that uh, something new that I hadn't seen before. So yeah. uh, uh, go ahead. In the next room, the contestants are contained in a chamber lined with receding electrified ray, ray shields. The switch to deactivate the shield is in a wall uh, wall sconce behind another shield. 
In the center of the chamber is a syringe of electrolytic serum that will grant temporary immunity from the shields. The catch? The serum is poisonous to all but one of the remaining hunters. Ardeen has done it again. I'm beginning to think he may be the best one to lead this operation. Ardeen is crafty, I will grant you. But let's see what happens when he is not the key to their survival. To reach your final challenge, you must pass through my ray shield. The switch to turn it off is on the other side. The syringe on the platform contains a highly electrolytic serum that will allow you to pass through the shield. However, to all but one of you. Kanotoni, Paso Branchi say. So it would seem. So I kind of like how their uh, Morales, he's kind of putting it in the hands of an, you know, another bounty hunter is going to have to take charge. Mm -hmm. and, and here's Dooku where he's starting to like uh, this Hardeen character, you know. And later on, he starts to sense something. But, but yeah, he's he's definitely starting to to like Hardin and what he's doing, his resourcefulness, and yeah. um, and he does say something about. I think they ask, how do you? I think Bane asks him, how do you know that this serum is going to work on this particular guy? I don't even remember the guy's name that he worked on. That it's the octopus guy again. Um, and he says, well, I used to. I think he says something about I used to hunt hunt them or something like that yeah so, he says i used to hunt whatever the species is for a living yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. And, and you see that the the the, uh, the character kind of go huh like yeah <laughs> he's starting to get scared already so uh using ray shields we're using lightsabers we're using dioxys we're using all kinds of of stuff to uh you know it's funny dioxys they use try to use on the jedi um ray shields is they use all the time yeah. So it's stuff that, uh, like I said, I think they're going to be seeing, or they could see, uh, battling against uh, a bunch of Jedi. So uh, good scene there, though. What do you, how do you, how do you think these challenges are? They working for you? Uh, you know what? I, they, I, I, I don't personally think that they're all that challenging. It doesn't seem like it, huh? Yeah. Um, I, and I mean, the rest of the bounty hunters seem to be pretty, uh, pretty scared. Um, and not really knowing how they're going to deal with it, but uh, but Reiko, uh, obviously Obi Wan, uh, Dooku, and uh, I don't I don't really know if any of the other ones are are even having a, like less than a difficult time. But it's really just just uh, Obi Wan and and Cad Bane that are they they're just like they're not even phased by it. It's just oh, like no. yeah. oh I just got to figure this out. Yeah. Right. Like it's just uh, it just. You know, yeah. it takes it takes each of them, you know, a second to figure out. Well, what are we going to do here? Um, right. How are we going to solve this problem? But for the most part, I mean, yeah, Obi Wan yeah. is just like, oh, not a big deal. I'm just going to do this. <laughs> Follow yeah. me. Yeah, right? the rest so, are just tagging along. It seems like they're just following. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, there's not much challenge there, except for kind of dodging the the lightsabers and all that. So yeah, uh, I'll continue. As the charged ray shields shrink around the hunters. Jacoli and Mantu are zapped. 
Reiko realizes that Darwin is the key to this challenge. There's a 50% chance the bloodstream of a Parwan can absorb the serum. Injecting it into his body, Darwin then extends his arm through the shielded sconce, tripping the de deactivation switch. A new passageway extends out of the third challenge. Uh, while Dooku's interest in Reiko Hardin grows, he becomes more and more disappointed in Muralo Ival. The Sith Lord gives the criminal mastermind one last chance to impress him. So like you said, Mike, he's starting... Here's, here's a... Not only Cad Bane, who's seeing a little more uh, interest in Reiko, and, and so is yeah. Dooku, and he's starting to see Hardin is just like a coward, and, uh, and we're going to get to more of that in a second here. Eval announces the final challenge. In the, largest, in the largest chamber yet, the floors open up to reveal flame emitters. The hunters are safe atop a platform, and a wall tile opens to reveal a sniper rifle. It is a test of marksmanship. Sixtat is the first to pick up a rifle, and he must fire at an erratically moving target. He scores two hits, but misses the third. Uh, the platform beneath Sixtat's feet collapses, and he falls into the flames below. Reiko, that is Obi-Wan, realizes that with each missed shot, the hunter's platform shrinks. Hardeen lives up to his marksman's marksman reputation by picking up the rifle next and scoring all three hits. His platform stays in place, but the rest of the hunters are raised above him. So do you think do you think uh, Obi Wan was tapping into the Force at all, or is that he, or is he just a good marksman? I didn't seem like it, he was because usually we'd hear like the Force theme maybe slightly mm -hmm. in the background. I didn't hear that, so I'm thinking he's just he's just that skilled, you know, Jedi. What do you think? Think he had to use any force powers to do that? I think it could be either. Um, yeah. I, I think I think that that Obi Wan is definitely naturally skilled when it like beyond force abilities. Um, <clears throat> that's only one aspect of yeah. his talent, right? Because uh, that's it's kind of how I always look at things like that. It's like um, it's like when when it comes to Superman, I always tell people like you know even even on Krypton. Yeah, Superman would have been, you know, he would have been stronger and faster and better than the average person. Mm -hmm. So the second that you then, you know, you put him on Earth when he's got superpowers, he's gonna be, he's gonna be Superman, right? So you put him <laughs> up against other Kryptonians, and he's gonna, he's gonna beat every one of them, right? Which is what we see in the comic books all the time. Yeah. And I think it's the same with uh, with a character like Obi Wan. Obi Wan is smart and. Uh, and talented to begin with. Uh, he's a Corellian, as far as as I'm aware. Uh, like that's I th I think that's his origin. So he's uh, that's why him and Obi uh, him and Han kind of have that uh, mm -hmm. that little bit of a of a humorous relationship because they both sort of have that that cocky yeah uh, sort of thing going on. Uh, you know, in their genetics. Um, <laughs> or at least I, I mean I read that at some point. I don't. I know thought Obi Wan was from Stu John. Is that what it is? <laughs> no, I don't know. That's remember that was at C five. Oh yeah, yeah, that was at actually. C5. <laughs> uh, let me see if if there's anything on his. Uh, I thought Obi Wan was the history according too. according to the uh, the wiki, the Star Wars wiki. 
Yeah. It, yeah, Stu John is his home planet. But <laughs> I'm gonna, oh, I'm funny. going to believe that Stu John is. I thought that was just a joke. On Obi Wan Kenobi's clone card. I don't know what that is. Um, this is one of the first things I wrote. I wrote in the very very first script. He comes from the planet Stu John. That was what George Lucas had to say. Uh, but I. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I I, I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to believe that he comes from Corellia because that's something that I read a long time ago. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Or let's believe that Stu John is a Corellian settlement. Um, there you go. Because that works. Yeah. I like that aspect of the character. So <laughs> I'm putting that out there right now. If somebody wants to go on the wiki and uh, they want to add that and then they can reference this episode of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast <laughs> as the source. Uh, that would make this F-level canon, <laughs> in case can. anyone's keeping track. So anything that I say is, or that we we come to a, a consensus here on uh, front lines, we're going to call that F-level canon. We got F-canon now. Holy, F-level awesome. canon, which in, in if you're a front lines fan, is the highest level of canon, <laughs> even above, even G above G level canon. canon? Oh, yeah, it's just that you know, it's one step above G-level canon. <laughs> uh, you know, if you know your alphabet. Yeah. Um, so funny. F level canon that uh, he that Corelli that Stu John is a Corellian settlement, and that's where Obi Wan Kenobi comes from. Yeah. Um, what was the point of all that? No, I was uh, just wondering if, if oh, he's, just that he's a he's, force. That he's yeah. a talented guy. Yeah. He's so. just talented. Yeah. He's just got skill. Yeah. 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 That's all I'm gonna say about it. Right on. Um, Morallo grows sick of Rako's selfishness and skill. Naval challenges Hardeen to five more hits and reduces his platform to a single narrow ledge. Reiko hits four targets, but his rifle runs out of ammunition. He's been set up to fail. At a flick of a button, Naval collapses the platform beneath Hardeen's feet. Uh, instead of falling to his death, Hardeen is saved by Cad Bane, who ropes his wrist and pulls him up. If you're going to kill him, do it like a man, Bane yells at Naval. Count Dooku's patience with Evol has come to an end. He desi decides to test the Findian mastermind and gives Hardin a final test as well. So this is what I was talking about, I alluded to earlier. I had written some notes down like, wow, Cad Bane saves Hardin. You know, it's like, wow. Yeah. This, so that's the point where, like you said earlier, Mike, this is kind of the point of this episode. And maybe this is kind of something that we can look to next episode of oh yeah we can look back and go remember that point where he saved reiko it's kind of like that mutual respect that these two guys have for each other yeah and uh you know hey here's bane saying hey do it like i do fight like a man don't don't wuss out and use your all your little tricks here and and dooku's the same thing he's he's basically thinking the same thing you know hey it's time for you to step up so i really like that though i was like what the heck are they gonna do as as the platform start going away I'm like how's this gonna end so kind of out of the blue for me I, I, but it was great though cad bane to the rescue of obi-wan interesting yeah yeah it was really unexpected because you're going like i was thinking the whole time oh you know he's just gonna you know pull something off of one of his uh like i i figured he'd like pop his helmet off and pull a power cell out of it jam it into it and then make the one last shot uh, and it would be like, oh, well, he can't do anything about it now because he made the shot, right? Right. But, uh, but no, I, instead he, he tries to kill Reiko and, uh, and Cad Bane is there to save the day. 
Yes. To save Obi-Wan Kenobi's life. Whoa. If only he knew, right? If only he knew, yes. <laughs> uh, well, I'll continue. From his position within the control room, Dooku uses the box to push Yval into the fray. The flame jets are doused, and Yval is put onto the arena floor with Reiko. After a chase, past obstacles and knuckle-crunching brawl, Reiko pins Yval. Dooku calls upon Reiko to finish him, but Reiko refuses. With all due respect, I just want to do my job and get my money, says Hardeen. Dooku is satisfied with the results of the challenge. He has found what he was looking for. Uh, Daron, Embo, Reiko, Twazi, and Cad Bane have survived. Dooku explains that their kidnapping assignment will proceed tomorrow. Cad Bane will lead the operation. Tomorrow you will kidnap Chancellor Palpatine and the Festival of Naboo. With the leader of the Republic as our hostage, we will demand the release of all separatist prisoners. If our demand is not met, the Chancellor will be executed. Either way, we will help reshape the galaxy. Once you are all aboard the transport, Evolve will walk you through his plan. However, the operation on Naboo will be run by... Alright, and we'll get to finish that this Friday. But here he is, Mike. He's saying, he's saying, uh, I thought this was interesting too about Dooku. He's, he says something about their mission is to free separatist prisoners. And I'm just thinking that's got to be just a line that, you know, who cares about some of these separatists, you know? Yeah. This is obviously just a ploy to get these guys over there. And, and what's going to happen? We will find out next week but um did you get the same feeling from dooku that this is just a uh, something for him to say like oh yeah they always say that you know when when, when there's yeah. hostages you know I, I want my my people freed but that's not the case yeah this is it's just that's the line that he's telling the rest of them right uh all of the yeah right the, the people who he's who he's fooled into joining with the separatists that yeah um you know, the separatist council that we've seen and the separatist senate or whatever it was. Right. Um, that's yeah. a, This is just another one of his lines that's like, no, that's what this is about. This isn't about winning the war or whatever. It's about freeing hostages. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, that's, I don't really believe that. We're not going to that. That's okay. We're coming. But we know that he's a Sith, so we know what the real end goal is here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... That was part three. We got one more to go in the box. Like I said, for me, didn't necessarily need to happen, but it was some cool stuff in there. You know, I like what they were doing with, like I said, I, I thought they were trying to gear these bounty hunters up for a showdown with some Jedi, but we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, which, all in all, decent episode. So, uh, what you mm -hmm. think? Yeah, Same I really enjoyed it. Um, it it kind of had a... Uh, it's it sort of felt a lot like there's a there's a movie series called The Cube, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> yeah. which this is uh, I'm pretty sure it's called The Cube, mm -hmm. where like these people get somehow trapped inside this weird interdimensional space thing that's like just a bunch of like it's it's a horror series mm -hmm. of movies uh, where you know it's just like. Uh, kind of like Final Destination, like how are all these people going to die and then the one person's going to get away or the two people are going to get away or whatever. 
um, it felt a lot like that. Like it was very reminiscent of that, and it was very interesting. I mean, it's not like we're any stranger to death on this series. Uh, characters die constantly, but I think that some of the deaths were handled really um, just kind of like, oh yeah, they're dead. That mm-hmm. that one's dead. Uh, the 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 cell cat when he dies, mm-hmm. uh, he, he just kind of his body is like slumped there, and and that's at the point when the walls have the 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 blades coming out of them and the walls are all moving around. And at one point, that wall starts to move out that he was uh, skewered on, and it just kind of pushes his dead body along with it. And I was like, not only did they kill the character yeah. on screen in front of everybody for you know for children to see and all that but now we're just gonna like (laughs) slide his dead body around around, and it's like (laughs) i i don't know that's not what what you would generally expect to see when it comes to uh a kid's show right you know yeah so very interesting yeah uh very interesting way to do things uh, <laughs> when it comes to a kid's show. But they don't pull any punches. It's Star Wars. And it, oh, you know, yeah. they got a story to tell. And I like and they're that. They're just going to yeah. tell it the way that it's supposed to be told. So. Yeah, I definitely I definitely like that, too. And I, yeah. think, and I think, you know, you're talking about some of this <clears throat> violence that we've seen. And it's it's definitely a different time than even when I was, you know, I was a kid, maybe when you were a kid, that there's a little more... I don't know. At least for me, I I have no problem letting my eight-year-old watch this. You know, there's nothing in here that's gonna, you know, traumatize him or anything like that. So, yeah. um, it's it's you know it's cartoon and all that. So it's a little different. So, but but I like what they do. I like that they do that. You know, I like it's I like it's going that it's going towards a more adult feel, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. so it's that's something that I like. So. Uh, that's episode. Or that's the third part. So let's get to uh, our Facebook stuff. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Wait a minute. Play oh. back the entire message. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? He is carrying a message from an Obi Wan Kenobi. I was beginning to wonder if you got my message. I saw part of the message. You. I seem to have found it. All right, we got a two-part question here, and this is from Bethany Osler, a, kind of a recent. Uh, addition to the Facebook team and uh, our group and some good posts in here. And she says the first part of her question is, uh, or comment is the box looks a lot like the competition Dooku had in the early Clone Wars cartoon where we first meet Ventress. And she, you're exactly right, Bethany. Um, I think it was in chapter six of the Clone Wars, not the Clone Wars, Star Wars Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Count Dooku, he arrives on Rat Attack or I think that's what they say, rat attack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and there's some kind of gladiator fight going on, uh, and then uh, Asajj shows up, and she thinks she's Sith and all that. And she goes down there and and kicks a lot of butt in this arena, and she claims to be a Sith. And then Dooku comes down and proceeds to show her that she has no idea what she's talking about. But yeah, um, I don't know if you remember that. That was way back in the day, Mike. That's been a few years, but uh, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely. Yeah. I definitely remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we even made a comment about it last week uh, on one of the two episodes okay, that yeah. we uh, that that came out last week. I uh, we uh, we definitely talked about that mm-hmm. aspect of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think I uh, like I I I know I said last week 
in one of the episodes that this is kind of Dooku's mo because this is also how he yeah right. found uh, Jango Fett. They, mm-hmm. He had a competition amongst bounty hunters. That's right. You're right. <laughs> um, Good point. Uh, particularly two two uh, Mandalorians, right? Uh, Jango being one of them. I mm-hmm. uh, and I. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of his mo. This is how he decides things. This is how he finds the strongest. Um, <clears throat> oh yeah. Also very similar to uh, well, yeah, because he's kind of conducting the selection of uh, Savage from a distance, and he doesn't know that Asajj is involved with it. Mm-hmm. Right, because oh, right. yeah. he just yeah. talks to the Towson. Yeah, Mother Towson, and. Right. And she's the one who sends Asajj to carry out the actual contest, but it's the same way that, that Savage was selected. So right. this is kind of, I think, how the, the bad guys do things. Yeah, definitely. It's just, you know, like it's trial by fire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, uh, you're right. That's a good good point. That's the pattern the pattern from Dooku. So uh, yeah. finding the best, like you said. Now, so our second part is, and we've seen this before, how is Obi-Wan masking the Force from Dooku, and, you know, we saw in this episode that Dooku did. You know, he's he's you know he's thinking about things. He's like, man, this guy is is pretty good. And it's almost like Darth Vader did in the trench when when uh, he actually says, you know, the Force is strong with this one. So yeah, he knew that the that Luke had the Force. He didn't know who Luke was at the time, but here's Dooku, kind of this, a little different. You know, he he just senses something with this guy. Not necessarily that he's Force sensitive or he's a Jedi or anything, but he just. He senses something. He does it twice in this episode. So, um, yeah. how's he doing that, though, Mike? I don't. I don't know. We. I don't think there's really an answer right now. Do you? Know? No, I don't think so. No, it's just something that, you know, I. Like I said, I don't know if they're ever going to get to to point that out of how they do well, that. Maybe that's a good question for Dave Filoni. Okay. Okay. Let me let me answer this with uh, sort of a, a, a an assumption that I have. Okay. Uh, Dooku reacts really oddly when he finds out that Reiko is the one who killed Obi-Wan Kenobi. Kind of like, right, yeah. really? I don't think anybody killed Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's ridiculous. Like, don't tell me mm-hmm. that some sniper killed Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's something else going on here. And I think that he also, because he senses something, I think that he's kind of clued in and and figured out what's going on because at the end of the episode even though reiko hardin is the one who saves everybody's butts mm-hmm. and gets them through it um it's it's bane that he puts in charge of the operation right and uh, and <laughs> um we'll see in the next episode just how involved yeah. uh reiko and uh, ends up being in the actual plot Right, because it seems like he's kind of like Dooku's trying to keep him at a distance. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think that maybe Dooku knows that that he's a Jedi or Obi Wan Kenobi? Possibly, you know. I think he knows that the Jedi have something to do with it. Oh, okay. I don't know that he necessarily understands that yeah. Obi Wan that that's Obi Wan, but I think I don't think that he trusts Reiko. Right, right. That either either Reiko is in league with the Jedi or that the Jedi have done something to take the place of Reiko. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Cause you have to also have to remember that Dooku was a Jedi. Right. And would know 
the the technology and the abilities that the Jedi have to to pull off an operation like this. So, because mm-hmm. not only was he a Jedi, he was a high ranking Jedi. Oh yeah, right. and uh, had he not turned, he probably would have been one that would end up on the council, right? Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, good point. So, so yeah, that's that's interesting, and uh, we're gonna find out next week with. Crisis on Naboo, and that's next week's episode. We'll talk about that now. Uh, the Chancellor travels to Naboo to preside over a public ceremony guarded by Jedi Knights. Dooku and his bounty hunters, including an undercover Obi-Wan Kenobi, launch their kidnapping plot. This is it, my friends. The day of reckoning for the Republic. I have it from a very reliable source that everything will happen exactly as we planned. Execute your roles as you've been instructed, and you will all be immortalized in history, not to mention rewarded with enough credits that you will never have to work again. I will let Cad Bane take it from here. Listen up. I'm only saying it once. Each device tells you your position and essential details about your part of the plot. Aren't you going to tell us how all the pieces fit together? Geron here is going to breach the shield. Moralo Ibal is the getaway driver. Two of you will act as guards protecting the Chancellor. And you, Ardeen, are a sniper. So there we go, Mike. That's next week. And look at Hardeen is actually going to be the sniper. Obviously, he showed off his skills in this box episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got that. We got these guys that have separate, not separate plans, but it doesn't seem like each knows what the other is going to be doing. Yeah, they, they each kind of individually get handed right. their instructions. And uh, to me, it looks an awful lot like they want to keep they, I think that Dooku and Bane have had a conversation at some point here, mm-hmm. and they've decided to keep uh, Hardeen at a distance. At a distance, yeah. Um, exactly. And it's like, well, he is a sniper. That's what he's best suited for anyway, so it's a good excuse. But then at the end of the day, you know, like they just want to keep him as far away from what's actually going on. So I think that'll be, that'll be the, uh, the main action of the episode will be the moment when Obi-Wan realizes that he's not yeah he's yeah. not actually being allowed to know what's going on here mm-hmm. and uh, and they and they're on to him sort of thing and like whatever plan they've told him about isn't what's going to go down mm-hmm. so yes that's we'll going to be see. we will see yeah we got the big conclusion of this this Friday so it's going to all play out and Hopefully there's a little bit of twists and turns that'll keep us... uh conclusion of this story, yeah. which means that we're two weeks away from the beginning of the next storyline, which uh, looks mm-hmm. like it's going to be a four-part Darth Maul story. So Four parts? Is that is that going to be... I, I didn't know if it was going to be two or four. You think it's going to be four, huh? Well, we've got four more episodes. Well, after this this arc, yeah. we got four more episodes to go. That's it, uh, yeah. if if I recall correctly, and I believe that I do, because I always recall correctly. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got Crisis on Naboo, and then we've got Massacre, Bounty, Brothers, Revenge. Wow. Now, maybe Massacre and Bounty are a two-parter, mm-hmm. uh, but that takes it, like, Massacre's the 24th, uh, Bounty is March 2nd, and then we've got Brothers and Revenge taking place after that. 
Um, <clears throat> hmm. Yeah, the first. Uh, th- this is the official description. The first of a four-part series season finale. Wow. Count Dooku seeks revenge for his betrayal at the hands of Asajj Ventress and the Night Sisters. Ooh. So right. there we go. So this is literally the sequel to the uh, the Savage Oppressed trilogy, the Night Sister trilogy from last season. Awesome. Wow. Well, yeah. well, let's, we got to get through Crisis on Naboo next week, and yes. then <laughs> we'll start talking about this. Sounds like it's going to be the best, one of the best, uh, or the best season-ending uh, four-parter that, that the Clone Wars has seen so far. So that is going to do it for this week, though, Mike. That's it. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com. You can also follow us over on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash clonewars. And uh, you can always join our Facebook page and get in the Facebook group and uh, and join in on the discussions. Yes. Uh, Facebook.com slash Clone Wars Podcast. And uh, that's where we pull our Facebook quote of the week from, is either from the Facebook page or the group. So if you jump on there, you can uh, you can be a part of that. You can be a part of the episode. You can also email us, Mike at CloneWarsPodcast.com and Matt at CloneWarsPodcast.com with your reviews, thoughts, uh, questions, really just about anything. I mean, oh, yeah, definitely. But the uh, but the email the email seems dead. Not I don't I don't mean uh, in regards to our show specifically, but just in general. That's not the way to communicate. So I think no. Twitter, yeah. Twitter and uh, Facebook are the way to go. So mail is uh, like the old or uh, oh, sh- uh, email is the old uh, snail mail. Snail, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're that far into the future, people. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, again, thanks to Kyle for doing that review for us, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Yeah, we will see you guys next week for the episode Crisis on Naboo. Can't wait. See you then. Well, another close to another wonderful show. Obi-Wan Kenobi here saying thank you for listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Brought to you, of course, by StarWarsDaily.com. The force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always.